systems initiated. You're listening to the Empire Podcast Network. As an actor, I made a career out of surviving personal and family dramas on daytime television. Now, in real life, I've also had my fair share of challenges, just like everybody else. But TV and film could be a nice escape from our own daily struggles. Well, let's face it. Life is not TV and film. Yeah. It's time to keep it real. With Real Conversations with Jacob Young. Sponsored by Boys Town. My guest this week is not only a professional counselor and therapist, but a highly regarded author. She has three books published by Boys Town's Press that have helped change the lives of so many children, teens, and families. Her books, Building Resiliency in Children, Building Resiliency in Teens, and her newest, Building Resiliency in Youth, are guidebooks that help provide quality support for children and teens that are facing adversity. My guest this week is the author of these helpful books, Dr. Kat McGrady. You know what time it is. It's time to keep it real with Real Conversations with Jacob Young, sponsored by Boys Town. Welcome, Dr. Kat. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm so glad to have you here. I'm so honored to have you here. Uh, you, <laughs> you personify the real reason that we do this weekly podcast. Your books are so essential as, as tools for anyone needing a little extra help in coping with life's challenges. Thank you. <laughs> so you use the word resiliency in each of your book titles. How do you define the word resiliency as it relates to your books? I, that's a really good question. I think that, I mean, it, it doesn't really have, it, it, there's such a spectrum of resiliency. I think that ultimately it's just sort of recognizing something that's impacted you and either, you know, making the move to move past it and to find coping strategies or finding a way to, shift your mindset and the way that you see it to help strengthen you and who you're going to become. I, and, and and yes, I mean, if anybody's had an opportunity to to look at the books or haven't, you should. Um, And it really does do that. It's pretty impressive. Your books are described as trauma in a trauma informed guide. What does that mean exactly? That's a good question, too. So a trauma-informed guide, there's actually three different parts. The first one is, oh, I've got it with me, the resiliency in youth. And it's it's a guide for you know professionals and parents and caregivers who are working with you know children or teenagers who have experienced trauma or need some boost in resiliency and sort of grit training in a way. It has um it talks about the impact of trauma and you know ways to get past it, how to be a trauma-informed professional. It's got some um, some information on how to give professional development to other people working with children and youth who have, you know, been through a traumatic experience or who need some, need some boost in resiliency and confidence. It also kind of talks about your own trauma, like how adults themselves can kind of combat compassion fatigue. And then the other two, um, resiliency in teens and resiliency in children are the teen book is a kind of a self-guided workbook that, you know, adults can use in small groups or individuals, or it can be self-guided for teens to build their own, you know, ability to recognize their own strengths, to recognize their emotions, to build confidence, to ground themselves, to find strategies to move forward. 
The same thing with the children's workbook. It's an activity guide that's more sort of supported by adults. And it's got, in the end, it's also got a cute kind of apple themed, which is perfect for fall and apple themed um, sort of prompted bibliotherapy book with different questions to help strengthen resiliency in children. Well, you know, you talk about building that resiliency in parents too. What are some of those things that maybe parents should be looking into when, you know, we, we, we say we're building resiliency in our children. We're, we're, or we need to make that something that's front and uh, front burner as far as our education, to our children. What are some of the qualities that parents might need to be able to communicate that kind of resiliency to children and build that into that's them? Really, I think that's a, that's a really good question. I think kind of recognizing that, you know, they do have to take care of themselves before they can take care of, you know, the younger ones that are being supported by them. They have to recognize sort of what they're feeling. They have to recognize maybe past traumas or past experiences that have kind of molded their mindset in a way. And they have to find their own coping strategies so that they can then sort of, you know, build on that to help model, to help train, to help cope themselves. Say, you know, we all sort of need that. So you're saying, you're saying parents aren't perfect. (laughs) Shockingly. Well, Well, there goes my parenting job. It goes right out the door. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I seem to have, uh, you know, challenges as a parent every day. I've got three children and each one has their own unique challenges. And I realize as I have gone on in my life and having three kids that each day has a challenge, but every child has their own individual challenges. And I've learned so much, not only about their own personal weaknesses, strengths, but at the same time, learning so much about my own weaknesses and strengths through that process, uh, which is why I think your guide is so important. I appreciate that. I think you're absolutely right about that. Like it, it does kind of force you to stop and think about, you know, what, what your child or what the person that you're taking care of is dealing with. And then you have to recognize what response you have in it and how you can use that to, to strengthen yourself and then in turn to strengthen them too. And it does it. We all need our own support net. And just like your children need you, you need them yeah. for the same sort of reasons. Well, my son came home, actually, this is a true story. This came, he came home yesterday and I said, I always ask him every day. I say, Hey buddy, how was your day? Now he's a preteen. He's going to be tur- turning 13 at the end of November. And he's right in the middle of middle school. Right. And of course that was the most challenging time for me. And it seems to be one of the most challenging times for most kids. And I said, well, how was your day today? He goes, well, it wasn't the best day. And he kind of had that little thing. And I was like, what, well, what happened? And he goes, well, you know, some of the kids I'm trying to get to know, and he's in a new school. So I, I gotta, I gotta put that out there. He, we did move to South Carolina this last year. And well, we homeschooled for a year in South Carolina while COVID yeah. was happening. So all of our kids were learning remotely and now, now they're all back into school. And so he didn't know anybody and, you know, he's been a champ about it and he's a really loving kid, but he said, well, everybody was asking everybody about like what their parents did for a living. And nobody ever asked me that. And I never really talk about what you do, dad. And they asked me. And so I told them and then nobody believed me. And then they all started making fun of me and calling me a liar. And, you know, as a parent, you go, well, you know, look, I, you know, I care less. Right. You know, and that's not something that we try to put first and foremost, we don't, Hey, 
dad was an act. He's an actor on TV. He does film and TV, but you know how kids can be. They can be a little bit, they look at certain situations, maybe because they don't understand it or whatever is happening. But if a child was in a situation like that, what kind of advice do you think you would offer um, that how he could better cope with that moment with that teen preteen pressure? Oh, especially with that teen, that preteen pressure. You're right. And in a new school, he's just got a lot of different sort of elements there that are swirling around him to kind of make that make that a pretty traumatizing experience. Yeah. That's exactly it. Like in, in that moment, like sort of being able to kind of first ground yourself and recognize what am I feeling? What what's making me feel this way? What's it doing in my body? Just getting yourself to that point to recognizing just the self-reflection and understanding. And then sort of looking at everybody around him and sort of being able to being able to gain the gain the strength, be it, you know, if he has his own mantras, if he thinks about what would dad do in this moment or something like that. And then sort of, you know, garnering the supports around him. I know he's in a new school, but he's probably made at least a friend or has seen people around that he knows he can get that strength from as well. So yeah, well, you know, he's, he's gotta have that. It's funny you say that because I ask him all the time. I'm like, hey, hey, have you made some new friends? He's like, No, I don't have any friends, I don't have any friends. And we were, in, we were in the car and all of a sudden there was like this crunch, crunch in his pocket. And he's like, well, what is this? And he pulls it out. And it's like two kids' phone numbers. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can't give me that sob story that you're not meeting kids anymore. You've got, you've got these phone numbers. They're like coming out of your pockets. And he's like, oh yeah, I forgot. I said, well, it doesn't seem to be that bad. It seems like you're doing all right. Yeah, exactly. And it always is like when they start to recognize sort of the positives versus negatives in moments like that, it's so easy to kind of take the perspective and kind of tunnel it and make everything seem like it's going wrong. But there's always those, those pieces, you know, you've got those friends, you've got the numbers in your back pocket, you've got people there that can support you and you yourself have the strength to be able to get past this. Yeah, it is that <laughs> thing though, right? One thing goes wrong in the whole house of cards fall emotionally. And suddenly yes. you feel like your total day is ruined. Oh, especially in youth too. I mean, we all do it though. Yeah. Is there, is, is there one tip you might want to like, what you I mean? If the, if you know that there's that, how do we get through that? I mean, I know how to navigate it as an adult now, right? I can go, Oh, that guy's having a bad day or yeah, that's not on me mm-hmm. or, you know, Hey, everybody makes mistakes. But what is something we would say to a child or, or build that resiliency in them at that moment if they're having that one house of card moment where everything just just falls? Oh, my gosh. Well, most of the time, and I'm thinking about, you know, your kid right now being a preteen, most of the time, if an adult's like, well, it's going to get better. And this is just one thing in the moment. That's the last thing that they want to hear. <laughs> so the biggest thing is just sort of I'm getting them to to kind of ground themselves is yeah. very much the first thing, just breathing, like getting their mind and body sort of ready and prepared to move on. And to think of it in a different light and sort of practicing daily gratitude is kind of a good thing too. It sort of sets that tone and sets that mood that, okay, you know, here's one thing that really kind of sucks right now, but these are the other things in my life that are going really well. And here are things that I'm looking forward to. And so if they can take that broader perspective, take the moment and see it as, you know, just sort of like a grain of salt in the entire, you know, ocean of sand. Then now, I've heard you say that's gr- a big piece. ground themselves twice. I believe highly in that. I, I am that person. It, it doesn't matter what kind of job that you have. If you're in front of anybody at any point, 
it's a little bit nerve wracking. And with kids, of course, and of course, with what I was saying with my son being in front of all these new kids, you know, taking that breath, taking that deep breath. And, and I've taught him that from the very beginning because he has anxiety. I know he does. He's built just like me. I'm anxiety riddled and, you know, right. I'm in the wrong profession to have such anxiety, (laughs) but maybe that's why I need to speak about it. He has that same quality. And I've always said that to him. I said, just take a deep breath. It's okay. Yeah. Look, just take a look at me and take a deep breath. And he's always done it. Thank God. I don't know how much longer it's going to happen because he's now in his teens, (laughs) but, but he's done it and he does calm down. He will have a conversation. Um, And I love that. I love that. Just grounding the situation and relaxing a little bit and then sort of getting to the bottom of it. Absolutely. That's all part of, um, you know, and in the book too, we talk about sort of what that does for the brain, because, you know, we get that sort of fertility and our lower brain takes over and we can't really think in those moments. Um, in my school district, they call it amygdala hijack where everything just comes flooding. So you really do need to kind of calm your body before you can calm your mind. Right. Well, I was just going to sort of ask it and it might sound redundant, but what are some, you know, there's been books out there that, that, that have been similar, but what about your book specifically is unique for a parent or somebody that is looking to build this kind of quality? That's a good question. I think it's just sort of the perspective. I've been able to see the viewpoints from, you know, being a teacher in a classroom through therapy, working with family and children and parents, parent coach, um, working, you know, in at Johns Hopkins, working with teachers there to kind of understand what they're seeing in their classrooms just across the board and working as a counselor um, in a school. I get to kind of see everybody's perspective. So that helped me to kind of create this based on multiple perspectives. And it's not just sort of one thing that I've heard from many parents and from many educators is just sort of Okay, so I know what it is. Now, what do I do with it? And this is the now, what do you do with it? It gives a gives an overview of what it is, but then the big bulk of it is here's what you do with that. And here's how you make that change. What prompted you to choose a path in this in life, helping kids and their families? That's a really good question, too. I guess I've sort of always been drawn to it. You know, my family sort of always did that, I guess, through my parents' businesses. And then I. I became a teacher and by working in the, I was a first grade teacher and by working in the classroom, I was able to see sort of what was going on with all of my kids and that they needed more than just, they needed more than just education and academics. They needed, they needed sort of emotional and social work too. So that led me to become a counselor. And then I became a trainer of counselors working at the university and then a, a therapist. And all this work is just sort of built on itself. And it just, each day gives me more, more and more passion for it. Well, congratulations. And I know you're doing such great work as a therapist who's always given helpful advice. How are you taking your own advice? Like, how are you at like, see, see, like sometimes I can't take my own advice. I'm like, you got to do this, but, but you know, you're giving advice all the time. Yeah. Um, if you're having a challenging day, how are you taking your own advice? It's a good question. I mean, are you filled with great questions? I think. That <laughs> well, that's why I'm my, here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, my parents kind of raised me. It just sort of comes naturally with what I've been sort of brought up to believe. And then if there is something where I really feel like, all right, I need some help with this, then 
they're the first people that I call. I call my brother. I call my sister. There's just, I'm lucky to have that support net and they're able to give me exactly what I need and tell me exactly what I should do. Well, that's awesome. I know I have, I have a, my my wife is an amazing support. And if I didn't have her, I tell you what, I would, I would be lost. Uh, So as a therapist though, one of your functions is to just listen, right? Can you talk about how important it is for all of us just to listen to one another? Oh, that's more important than anything. A lot of times people, you know, they, they don't want advice. They don't really want They just want an ear and having somebody who cares and having somebody who's willing to sit there and figure out anything that you're going through, you know, without judgment, without being fear of any expectations of outcomes. It's, it's imperative. We all need that. Yeah, we (laughs) certainly do. You know, and let's talk a little bit about expectations. Kids have these expectations. They see things that are on TikTok. They see things that are on social media. They have this expectation of life that, you know, this is what it means to be successful. This is what it doesn't mean to be successful. Another thing my son said to me the other day, because they were asking him, well, what kind of car does your parents drive? I drive a Land Rover, not a Range Rover, a Land Rover. It's not an expensive car. Cars are expensive anyway. But they were saying, well, you guys must be rich. Um, kids have that expectation. How, what are some advice we could, we could give about expectation? What are some of the things we can do to sort of uh, allow our children to understand that um, we all have that opportunity to achieve, but at the same time, we shouldn't maybe put our, this, those precedents so high in life. Yeah. And I completely agree with you, especially with social media. Now that's just sort of, everybody puts their best foot forward. And that's sort of what all the kids see now is this is what I need to become. And if I don't become that, then what am I? And I think that you know, constant reminders that, you know, it's more important, like quality is more important than quantity and just what makes you happy. And if what makes you happy doesn't involve becoming like a millionaire and doesn't involve, you know, becoming super famous, then it's, it's just whatever, you know, take the moment. And again, it goes back to kind of grounding in moments, like recognize when you feel best, recognize what sparks your passion and kind of define, define success through that. Yeah. And what it, it, is there an age where we should be, and this is just a personal opinion, of course, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, that we should allow our children to have access to social media, or should we not allow that until they're adults or like 18 years old? I see, I see kids on there all the time and I go, wow, that's a pretty racy video. That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty not appropriate. I mean, I know if I was my daughter, I'd be like, I don't know about that. Um, any thoughts? I, and it is, it's also contextual. I work with, I mean, I work with such a range of families and ages. And I mean, some of the kids that I'm working with in elementary, they're very involved in social media, but it's very restricted. They're always with their families. They don't post anything. They just kind of look at stuff and talk about it and practice the dance. Moves. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's more oriented. The yeah, like if you're going to do the Applebee's dance and do the whoop cream thing, that's cool. <laughs> That's cool with the wolf greens. Yeah. <laughs> that was going to be stuck in my head all day. Yeah, right? I know. I know. My wife was like doing all the dance moves last night. I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's entertainment. Yeah. No, we do have a fun family, I have to say. But, but, but again, that's my concern too as a father, as a parent, because they're already 
interacting through applications, games, Roblox, they're at, they're at Minecraft. They're out there and there's people that they're talking to. There's other children that they're talking to or potentially not really children that they're talking to, which really yeah. sketches me out as a parent as well. And it's like, when do you sort of let up or do you, you know, I've always, I'm always aware as a parent, but I know some parents are not as aware of what their children are looking at. It's like, oh, give them the iPad and go do your thing. And I think it's, I've noticed massive differences when they're not on video games or iPads or social media. They, they become a, it takes about a week, but they become a different child. They're suddenly like, let's go out and play. Absolutely. And I mean, that's just sort of what I've been seeing across the board too, especially now that COVID has let up, there's been kind of an issue with an addiction to the media now to, to, you know, technology. So parents kind of had to deal with that little hump, but now that, now that there's more of a balance between using it and getting out and getting fresh air and being with people, there's, it's just been sort of a a night and day transition from what I've seen and heard. Um, But I, I totally agree with that too. Like you just, you don't want it to take over and there is, there needs to be a balance. And I feel like if there's, if there's too much restriction, the kids are going to kind of revolt and they're going to find ways around that. And it's going to become pretty messy. But if you can, you know, set the stage, have sort of like, you know, family meetings and sort of set those traditions where they, they feel safe with you. They know that they can tell you things. If it happens, have those conversations, um, have a trusting relationship with them, keep everything open and, you know, set, set some limits and really, really, really set those guidelines and explain, educate them on, you know, this is the world that can be opened up. And these are the things that you need to do to stay safe. And this is how you talk to me. If you have that gut instinct, or if somebody seems like they could be a little shady and help them to understand why you put restrictions on too. But it it is, it's all contextual and it sort of depends on those pieces, but, you know, using it as a tool for um, like punishment or something isn't a good thing either. There's just so many different sort of nuances to so, technology. So, so when you say t- as a punishment, I'm taking it away. Like, just, yeah, that's it. That's not the yeah. answer. No, from what I've seen, that sort of it, the punishment doesn't really punishment doesn't really fit the crime type of thing. Like, it's just sort of the answer to everything and eventually it becomes numb and the kids are like, well, whatever. So <laughs> that's also one thing that I advise against usually because it doesn't really match up with what's going on. Well, I'm an, I'm an open book and we're talking about books right now, but I am an open book with my kids, at least my son, because now he's, again, I talk about him a lot because he's a preteen and, and we we talk a lot about kids on here. So, um, the one thing my parents would always do is like, that's not for you. That's not for kids. Sweep it under the rug. We're not going to talk about that. They always like played, like you go, Hey, what, 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 you know, what's going on? What's happening? And like, Oh, don't worry about it. My generation was a lot of don't worry about it. at least that's what my how my parents were. Maybe some other kids had it much, much better. But I definitely made that decision a long time ago that I was never going to be that way. I wanted to be as open as possible. And I got to say, I have some conversations I don't think I would ever had with my parents. Yeah, I know I would have had with my parents, but I would never have had with my parents. And I'm really thankful that I'm able to have those conversations, stuff that's really kind of pressing that you might not find out till later until maybe they're in trouble. God forbid something really bad happens. Absolutely. And I mean, I I think you're handling things exactly as you should. It leaves it leaves an anxiety when parents sort of close that book there and, you know, the kids sort of feel like, you know, what are you not telling me? And that 
you know, speaking of resilience building, if you're honest and open with them, if you're willing to have those conversations and that makes them more resilient because it helps them sort of see how you handle things. And it, it shows them that you're going to be supportive of them. And, you know, it's sort of that whole, that whole judgment factor too. I'm not going to be judged. I know that I can talk about this. I know that we're going to have a good conversation and it, it sets that, it sets that tone. It does do that. It really does. Because my wife was she was something had happened in our personal relationship with, uh, with, with my son. And she was like, well, you need to talk to your dad about this. And she told me about it. I had the conversation and she goes, well, what did your dad say? And she said, well, he was okay with it. He just had some guidelines and talked about it a little bit about the truth of the matter. And, and I think it's really just about listening, right? Opening the ears, opening that, that, that uh, freeway of conversation and allowing it to come and go and not feeling like they can't talk to you. Um, and that's, I mean, at least as a parent for me, that's what I've gained out of this is, is, is that I've, if I just communicate, if I just get in there and I communicate um, you, you will not only learn, but you also solve the problem or at least try to get to the base of the problem. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I completely wholeheartedly agree with that. Just having the conversations being open, oftentimes letting them guide because, you know, sometimes it's sort of develop me developmentally appropriate too. And knowing, knowing what they know and letting them sort of be the one to sort of tell you what they show know. you how you go. Exactly. I, I'm like, really, you know about that already? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, hold on while I have a heart attack and you resuscitate me. Do you know CPR? Um, but, but yes, I mean, but, it, you know, it, you know, it's on TV, it's on movies, you know, you know, even with like the Marvel movies and stuff, you see that they're already like they they're pushing the envelope all the time. And I and I think it's actually good because I'd rather them be exposed to it a little bit earlier in not a bad way, but exposed to, to life and have questions about it and be able to answer them honestly. I think I think Disney and Marvel and those kids movies and stuff that are doing that are really opening up that dialogue for parents today. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> well, and that's the thing too, is giving, giving the opportunity and setting that stage for, for your child to ask questions, you know, because they are going to see it. It's out there. It's, it's very much out there and in so many different sort of angles. And so knowing that they have questions, knowing that they can go to you and knowing that they don't have to ask their friends or <laughs> you know, try to find some other avenues to get answers is, is a really good thing. Yeah. Kat, tell everybody where they could find your book and how they can purchase it, where it's downloadable, um, hard copies, all that. Okay. It's, um, you can get it on the boys town press website. Um, you can get it on Amazon and anywhere where books are sold. Anywhere they're available to be sold and downloaded or just on Amazon or is it on uh, any, any other, uh, spots? Uh, Barnes and Noble and Barnes and Noble. Wow. Nice. Fantastic. (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, I'm telling you, I have spent some many hours already, you know, uh, looking through all the books and there's so much great advice in there and building blocks that will really help your children and you as a parent and just grow. It's just, it's really, really fantastically put together, Kat. Now, Kat, I always ask a couple questions on my podcast. And one of them is if you could take a ride in the Jacob Young time machine, what advice would you give teenage 14 year old cat? <laughs> um, focus more on school <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy this moment because it's fleeting. <laughs> it does go fast, doesn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. And the other question is, of course, the Boys Town slogan. He ain't heavy. He's my brother, meaning somebody has carried us at some point in our life. Who's carried you? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's a great question. Mm. So my parents, for sure, my brother, my sister and my husband, they all (laughs) are the biggest still (laughs) load on them. (laughs) But we are in each other. It's, It's a beautiful thing. Oh, well, that's lovely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for joining me today. Um, and thank you for all the lives that you've changed for the better. You have literally been a lifesaver in, in some cases. Your books provide such a valuable resource for everyone out there who isn't able to see you in person. And I highly recommend these books to build resiliency for all children, teens, and youth. Please go to boystownpress.org for more information. And thank you, Kat. These days, we need smart, caring people like you more than ever. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for this time and for this conversation. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And that's about all the time that we have for today. But Real Conversations with Jacob Young, the mental health podcast is sponsored by Boys Town. And at Boys Town, their slogan is, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. And for over 100 years, Boys Town has been saving children, healing families. They're only one call away and they're always there to help. Please go to boystown.org for all the details on how to access Boys Town's health services or simply go to yourlifeyourvoice.org. And if you're in crisis or you need immediate help, please call the trained counselors at the Boys Town National Hotline, 800-448-3000. Again, 800-448-3000 or text VOICE to 20121. Thank you for joining me on Real Conversations. I'm Jacob Young. Until next time. Love yourself. Love each other. Tired of the same old boring popcorn? Want to try something that's delicious and different? If you're like me, sometimes I like a little sweet and salty. Well, Snack Pops did it again with Candy Pop with M&M's and Cookie Pop with Oreos. Make Candy Pop and Cookie Pop your family's go-to movie snack or enjoy on the go. One bite is never enough. Now available at Publix grocery stores or simply go to snackpop.com and discover the entire line of these tasty popcorn treats. Lane Frost Brand is a proud sponsor of Real Conversations with Jacob Young, the comfortable, stylish, and unique clothing line that commemorates the life of world champion bull rider Lane Frost. Everything from hats to belt buckles. Be sure to check out the whole line of products for the entire family at lanefrost.com, the official shop of the legend for the champion in you. (laughs) 